Last week was Easter, and we had such a wonderful day on Easter Day, so it's great to see you guys back. You know, it's always one of those things on a morning where the weather is so beautiful, are people going to go to church or not? So I'm thankful that you're here and you're not just out on the golf course or the lake or anywhere else that you could be. We'll have some time for that later today, I'm sure, but I am glad to have you. We are concluding our series uh, titled His Pain, Our Gain. For the first half of the month, we focused a lot of attention on what Jesus has done for us, the pain that he endured, his suffering, and we're going to talk about that some today or, or mention it, but we really want to focus in on what do we as Christ followers gain from everything that Jesus did, because he certainly didn't do that just to do it. There's so much that God offers through the sacrifice of Jesus that I want us to be aware of. The pain of the crucifixion and the triumph of the resurrection brings great gain to every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Like, that's where it starts. Uh, he died on the cross for us. He was buried and he was resurrected. But we as human beings have to acknowledge what he's done for us to begin to benefit all the stuff that he has uh, for us to gain. The price paid for my ransom still amazes me. Jesus gave everything so I could gain everything. If I give my life if I give my life to Jesus, God gives me all that he has. And for me, that seems like an incredibly good trade. Like I give him me and he gives me everything that he has. That's an incredibly good trade. I don't, uh, I don't understand a lot about cryptocurrencies and NFTs and Web3 and all this technology stuff. I read a ton about it and I still don't understand it. I know a little bit about cryptocurrency. But my mind, as I, I, as I begin to think about this trade, that I give him who I am and he gives me all that he is and, and what an awesome return I get from that trade. I begin to think of Bitcoin. Raise your hand if you've heard of Bitcoin. Some of you may know a lot more about it than I do. So I, I look back to see like when... I look, I look back to see when uh, Bitcoin hit the trade floor, like what it was worth. And this is what Bitcoin was worth when it, when it became public and you could buy and sell and trade. This is what it was worth, 0. 0.0008 cents. So I'll, I did a little bit of math for you just to bring that into a larger scope. You could buy 10,000 Bitcoins for just $8 when it first hit the floor, right? when, it just, when it first hit the floor. So now, and that's been several months ago, so I looked just a few days ago, and it, it fluctuates up and down. Right now, Bitcoin is, is fluctuating somewhere around $40,000 a coin. <laughs> yeah, $40,000 a coin. That means if you'd have spent $8 when it hit the floor and bought 10000 of them, right now you would have $400 million. Man! That's a good trade. How many of y'all were like, I wish I'd have known this back then, right? Because I've watched Bitcoin and um, Dogecoin and some of the other ones. And, you know, Bitcoin is, is by far the most valuable right now. Again, I still don't understand it. I don't understand you, you spend that much money. Anyways, but that's a trade, right? That I would have spent year, months ago, I'd have spent $8 and bought 10,000 coins. And today, that $8 would have turned into $400 million, for me, I thought about that, and that doesn't compare anything to the trade and the return that I get when I give my life to Jesus. What I get back in return is far more valuable than $400 million, right? 
And, and I do understand it to be that. I know growing up, I, I was taught, or at least I heard a lot, that I received Jesus. You want, you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Really, my understanding of, of, of this transaction is I give my life to Jesus. I surrender everything that I am to him. And when I do that, he gives me all that he has and all that Father God has to offer. And it's a pretty good trade. Uh, some of you know me more than others, then you would say, yes, God uh, definitely got the short end of that stick. And I'm not just talking about my stature. <laughs> uh, Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave becomes our victory when we put our faith and trust in him. So as soon as we do that, all that he has to offer is ours. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, for all those who aren't Jews, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. There's so much in those few verses that I could go on and would love to go on and on and talk about, but I just want to focus in on a few things. First, it says this, that when we come to believe in Jesus, when we come to believe in Christ, it says that we are then identified as God's own and that he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we are now God's. And I love the fact that God chooses us. It's not just this, uh, you know, he's rolling dice. And aren't you, aren't you glad that God didn't look down and even within this room, look over the room and say, yeah, I, I like them and I like them and I like him, I don't know about him, them I like him, her, no, them I'll take. Right, God didn't do that and he had the opportunity, that, but God chose all of us. He looked down, he saw us, and he still chose us. So Father God choosing us, that's why scripture says that we are adopted in his family because it was first offered to the Jews and then anybody who was not a Jew, we're adopted into his family, that God chooses us. If you've experienced adoption yourself or you've adopted a child, then you might have a little bit more understanding or experience of this. I shared my story just a little bit either last week or the week before that I'm, I'm adopted, so I don't know who my biological father is. But before I turned three, a, a man came along and, and met my mom and fell in love with my mom, and he chose me. He didn't have to. He didn't, ha he didn't have to have me take on his name. But he wanted me to. He chose me. And Father God looks down at all of us, and he chooses us. And I love the fact that this passage said that he gives us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we are now, we are now his. So Jesus faced the pain of the cross with great expectation of what was to come. Listen, I don't want us to, to gloss over the fact that Jesus knew the pain and the suffering that he was going to experience too. It was prophesied. He had a great connection with Father God, and so I'm sure God was preparing him. He knew exactly what he was headed for and what he was going to have to endure, but he chose to do that for us. But as I wrestled with even to how to state this, I, I finished it with, uh, he faced pain the cross with a great expectation of what was to come. So not only did he know the pain and suffering he was going to have to experience, he knew what we would gain by his sacrifice, and that's the reason he did it anyways. This conversation that he, that he has with God in the garden just the night before, in his humanity, he's saying, God, if there's any other way, because let's be real, 
I, I don't know if there, maybe you, not me, maybe I would struggle with it for a lot longer than just a night, but I don't know that I would endure the cross for anyone. If I knew that it was going to be a quick death, maybe I would do that for someone. But, but Jesus, knowing what he was going to endure, goes to the Father and says, if there's any other way, but I know there's not, so let your will be done. Why did he do that? Because he knew what the, our benefit would be by his sacrifice. I just thought of a few. Here's one. He, he knew his death was not the end, but a new beginning. Isn't that awesome? His death was the key for our eternal life with God. It's not, as we come to know Jesus, as we give our life to him, it's not that we're just changed or just transformed. The Bible says that we're new. We have a new beginning. We're a new creation. Now, I believe that we're all in process because I'm not perfect yet. My wife would certainly tell you that I'm not perfect yet. My kids would tell you I'm not perfect yet. Uh, but we're, we're all still in process. But here's the thing. When, when I accept Jesus, when I give him my life, the Bible says that I'm brand new. I think that our lives would transform a lot quicker. We would draw a lot closer to God if we could have that, that understanding settle in our brains. Not our hearts. I think all of our hearts would be there. But when I could understand that I'm brand new, like everything from my past is now covered by the blood of Jesus, and I'm brand new. Jesus also knew that humanity's greatest need would be met. And that need was the need of a savior. As Jesus is conversing with Father God and he's looking down at humanity, humanity was a mess. We still, we still are a mess. But at that point, Jesus decides to come down and give his life on the cross for us because he knew that we needed a savior to be reconciled to the Father. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed, I'm astounded sometimes at the fact that for us to draw close to God is not a matter of me being good and me be doing all the right things. It's not about that at all. Not a bit. I am in right standing. I'm found righteous. I'm holy and set apart because of what Jesus did. So when I recognize what he's done for me, that brings me into right standing with God. And it's not about being good. Anybody else in the room excited about that? Because I mess up some a lot. I'll mess up some today and some tomorrow and the next day. But it's not those. God, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Through his sacrifice, I am now reconciled with the Father. That's exciting news for us. Jesus also knew the gain that we would be brought to us through his pain. In fact, the pain of the cross purchased all that God has for us. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus decided that he would still do that, that he would still give his life on the cross because his death purchased all that God has for us. And I love this thought. It opened the door to the throne room of God. When we give our lives to Jesus, we now have unlimited access to God. Isn't that incredible? I'm certainly thankful for that. In the Old Testament, you guys would have had to come to me with all your junk, and then I would go, I would go to God. And I'm so thankful it's not that you can take your junk right to God right? But that's how it was set up in the Old Testament, that there was somebody that was in between me and Father God. But Jesus' death on the cross gave me unlimited access to God Almighty. And listen, that doesn't just happen in these four walls. I love the fact that we have a building only because it gives us all a place to gather. But here's the thing about this unlimited access to the presence of God, to the very throne room of God. You can access his presence, that throne room, no matter where you're at. 
You can, you can access his presence when you're at home, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're driving, although I encourage you to keep your eyes open. Has anybody ever been praying while they're driving and you caught this, oh, don't do that. Like, you, you can't close your eyes while you pray when you're driving. Like, well, unless you want, like, immediate access to <laughs> kind of keep your eyes open. But Jesus' death on the cross gives us unlimited access to God. You access. Me access. That's, a, that's, a pretty, uh, that's good news, huh? So let's talk about just a few things we gain through Christ's death and resurrection. The first is this, and we ended the service uh, last Sunday talking about it. I mean, how could you not on Easter Sunday when we're celebrating the resurrection? But the first thing that we can gain, or one of the things that we can gain uh, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is this. Living hope in Christ. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Listen, that verse says that we receive this living hope. As soon as we recognize who Jesus is, that hope is available to us, and it's something that we should be living out in our lives daily. Listen, I want us as the church, as Christ followers, we need to be demonstrating the hope of Jesus to the world around us because everyone is looking for that. They, they may not yet identify the hope being Jesus, but they're looking for hope. How many of you are looking for hope every time you go to the gas pump? Oh! I can tell you this, and not in, not in vain, but I've spoken the name of Jesus a lot more these days than I did in, in, in years past when I'm pumping gas and buying groceries and right? So this hope that the world is looking for is found in Jesus, and, and we have that as Christ followers. We no longer have to fear death, but live with the promise of abundant and eternal life. And if you remember from last week, that abundant and eternal life, that happens for us now. That's not something that God says, listen, you guys follow Christ, and if you do that well until you die, then you'll receive abundant and eternal life. No, we get that now as Christ followers. Philippians 1, 21 through 23, uh, shows us that we are in a win-win situation. How, how many of you like those type of things? Win-win. Like one of the things, I, I like following the stock market, and I've got a little investment app, and I've got some, you know, some things that, I, that I've invested in. But I would love to know, like, this is a win-win. You put your money in that, and you're definitely going to get a return. Most of the time in the stock market, that's not the case. But when it comes to Jesus, we are in a win-win situation. Philippians 1, 21 through 23 says this, For me to live, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In, in other words, that's a win-win. For me, I'm living with Jesus and for Jesus, but if I die, I'm with him. Uh, verse 22, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? In other words, he's struggling. Like, which, one's, which one's better? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. It's a win-win situation. How many of you love growing up and, and you love those times where you hit the basketball court or you're at recess and you're playing and, and you're about to play kickball or dodgeball or, or whatever you play? Uh, and you, you always would form up in the teams first, right? And how did you form up in the teams? Somebody was chosen as captain. Did anybody ever get to be captain? Raise your hand if you ever got to be captain. Okay, we've got a few that got to be captain. In other words, you got to do the picking. And so who would you pick? The best people. You're looking across and you're like, okay, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, I 
I want, I want, like on a basketball court. I rarely was the captain because I was typically the shortest one on the court. Uh, but on the basketball court, if I'm picking a basketball team, who am I going to pick? I'm going to pick the tallest people. Or I'm going to scout because I like to do that. I still do that in so many different ways. But I'm going to scout. I'm going to watch people play. And then I'm going to pick the better players. And I'm certainly going to pick the taller players. Right? Uh, and, and Because I wanted to win. I, I wanted to win every time. I hate losing. And this is the wonderful thing about my relationship with Jesus. It's always win-win. It's never loss-win. It's never win-loss. It's never lose-lose-lose-lose lose, lose, and sometimes win. It's just win-win. Now, let me be honest with you to say it doesn't always feel like a win. And sometimes we go through horrible pain and horrible suffering. And in the midst of that, it doesn't feel like a win. But I can tell you it's win-win. And one of the reasons I know that is because I read the end of the book. Anybody else? ever read the end of the book, I know what happens at the end. And it's win-win. You know, I, I was really confronted with this, and luckily I had, I had prepared for the message already. Uh, but it was yesterday on Facebook I heard news of a friend of ours from college whose daughter was a young adult, I mean, young 20s, just recently married and now pregnant, and she suddenly died of a brain aneurysm just out of nowhere. So not only did they lose the life of their daughter, but the life of their grandbaby that was hadn't been birthed yet. And as I thought about that, I mean, all of a sudden, I was just filled with such sorrow. Such sorrow. And this is what I began to pray for them. God, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what they're going through right now. But I do know this, that your presence can be known. Right? And, and that's a win. Again, it's not to say, listen, when you go through stuff like that, you shouldn't feel pain, you shouldn't hurt, and you shouldn't have... No, you should grieve. God has created us to grieve. But this is the thing. God always, we, we saw the song last week, God always turned things around. And it's a win-win for us when we follow Jesus. You'll probably always deal with that pain and suffering in, in some degree, but it's, just, it's a win-win for us. Because, again, I know the end of the story. The second thing is this. We have a new identity in Christ. Listen, you guys got to get a little more excited about the message this morning because we've got like three minutes left and I've got 12 points left. The more you get excited, the faster. <laughs> Here we go. Let's hit this one. New identity in Christ. Second critic. No, I won't go that fast. I am getting a little hungry. Anybody else in the room? We probably just start bringing lunch. New identity in Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. I just talked about, we're brand new. We're a new creation. Listen, we have, to, we have to be able to receive that, and we also have to be able to speak that over others sometimes when it's difficult. But we're a new creation. The old has gone. All of that's gone, and the new is here. Receiving a, a new identity is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian in Jesus we do not lose ourselves, we become our true selves. As we give our lives to Jesus, this surrendering our lives to him is when we truly begin to see and live out who we were created to be, right? So if you're chosen, you're handpicked by God. I love that. Like, you're always picked. You're always picked to be on God's team. Isn't that awesome? I mean, if we go back to that whole analogy of, of picking the team, like if I'm picking a team and I'm looking at the line of people and I'm looking down the line and I see God standing there, <laughs> I'm going to pick him. In fact, I'm going to pick him and I don't need to pick anybody else. But think about the reverse of that, that God's the captain, he's picking teams, and he always picks you. Man, that's incredible. 
He always picks me. He always picks you. I love this. Ephesians 1.17 says, you are forgiven. I know I'm not the only one in the room that needs to be forgiven again and again. And again. You are forgiven, and that's past tense. When Jesus died on the cross and we acknowledge that and accept that forgiveness, the Bible says that our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. I don't really understand that, but that's how it is. That the sins I haven't even committed yet, God's already looked down and said, I've forgiven him. And then this, we're loved beyond compare, this new identity that we have in Jesus. Let's look at the third thing. Unlimited power in Christ. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, listen to this, that is at work within us. Listen, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we give our lives to him, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have this unlimited power in Christ. Now, let's be real. That doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do, right? But it means this, that we can walk through life above every circumstances. In our humanity, we are limited, but through the power of Christ in us, all things become possible. Going back to that win-win. Listen, we don't receive this unlimited power for selfish gain. That's not why we, we gain all this stuff from God. Everything that he has, he gives to us. He gives to us so that we, in turn, could give to others. Listen, if you've been set free from addiction, it wasn't just for you. Now you can turn and you can find those that are struggling with those same addictions, and you're going to understand it, and you're going to be able to offer grace and mercy, and you're going to be able to tell them about the forgiveness that God has for you, and they can experience the same freedom that you have. If you understand God's grace, and it's something that I continue to, to learn and understand, as I do, it helps me then to offer grace to others. Like that's everything that God gives us, we in turn tell others about. This hope that we live with, God wants us to be that, a demonstration of hope to everyone around us. Listen, if God's asked you to do something, it is 100% possible for you to do. And sometimes it might seem way beyond something you're capable of, but if God is asking you to do it, you are 100% capable of doing it, no matter what other people might think of you. Listen, when I was growing up, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive, there wasn't one person that was like, he's going to grow up and be a pastor. No, he's like, he's going to get beat up and thrown in jail, and right? Because I was always getting in trouble. I could never sit still, and I was always talking, and I was always mischievous, and I was always trying to you know, scare somebody or prank somebody. And so I was always in trouble, and I'm sure nobody, but listen, I am. Why? Because of Jesus, not because of me, not because of any ability or talent, but because of Jesus. And I'm here to say, look, whatever God asks you to do, it's 100% possible. Because of everything that Jesus did for us. And I would even say this. If you haven't experienced God asking you to do something far beyond your means, your ability, you're just not listening close enough. Because he's going to. And you're going to be like, you're going to get nervous and anxious. And I don't know if I can. And and almost any time that you're feeling those type of feelings, it's God leading you and prompting you to do it. The last thing, this is the last point. So we can all be like, whoa. The last thing is delegated authority in Christ. You know, the more and more I, uh, the more and more I ask God to help me understand authority, the more that I find that authority. When you look at Jesus' life, who has a, had authority over all, and then pass that to us, it looks a whole lot different 
than what our community and our society says authority is. Colossians 2, 13 to 15 says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them, triumphing over them by the cross. Listen, that same authority God gives to us, Jesus gives to us, as part of who we are in him, is this authority to walk above every circumstance. And it's not this whole, you know, it's not this thing of, a power structure. It's me living like Jesus. As believers, we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from, from victory. Jesus defeated Satan through his death and resurrection, and today we have authority over Satan through Christ. Listen, anything that we face, anything, any temptation that we might come up against, we have authority over. This goes back. I, I could enter this probably in every point, but this win-win that we have because of Jesus. 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear, dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, listen to this, is greater than he who is in the world. It's awkward. Christ's victory is our victory. His gain is our gain. But every Christian has respons- responsibility for, to fully live in all that Christ has provided. Let's close our eyes. You know, this series about our gain, we started with his pain, we focused on his gain the last few Sundays, and we could probably go on and on. Each one of you could share testimony after testimony of, of what you've gained uh, through following Jesus. And uh, this is the thing, that it's not even really about, I don't follow Jesus because I gained something from him. But the reality is, man, I do. I gain so much. He gives me so much. But that last statement, you know, it's, it's a responsibility that we have as Christ followers to live out the life that Jesus lived. You know, Jesus had this perfect relationship with the Father because everything he did was for the Father. So bringing us as Christ followers, like that's where we need to find ourselves. We need to settle there that everything that I would do and everything that I would say would be to glorify Father God. And it's as we live that out. and, and, and Maybe we don't live that out in perfection, but as we live that out, we gain so much. God just continues to pour out in our lives. I think what I have found in my walk with Jesus is the greatest gain that I continue to experience and grow in is just my awareness of God's presence around me all the time. It's, it's extremely rare for me to feel that God's distant. He's just there. and He's always there. And the more I press in, the Bible says this. If we draw close to him, if we draw close to him, he draws close to us. That's what the Bible says. And it's really that easy. I just draw close. And as I draw close, I experience all that he is. There's a few different ways I'd like for us to respond before I close in prayer. The first is if you're here this morning and and you don't know Jesus, like this is the starting point, right? I always like to say, you'll hear me say it over and over. In fact, every Sunday you'll hear me say it. If you don't know Jesus, I would love to introduce you to him this morning. Because that's the starting point. He 
and life might be good, but it's, there's so much more that God has for us through Jesus. So if that's you this morning and you want to pray a prayer of salvation, I'm not going to call you up front. We're not going to embarrass you. Nobody's even going to open your eyes. Uh, I just want you to raise your hand up and leave it up just for a few seconds so I can make sure to catch anybody that does that. I don't see any hands going up. If you did raise your hand and I didn't catch that, come to me afterwards and I would love to pray with you. The second is this, and I think this is all of us in the room. You know, if all of us here would say, man, there's, I, I know there's more that God has for me and I want, I want it all. And that's not a selfish thing. That's just understanding who God is and desiring all that he is. I think it's one thing for us to seek the things that he does. It's a totally different thing when we just seek who he is. So if that's you this morning and, and you're just saying, man, God, I seek you with everything that I have, and, and I want all that you have for me. Would you just pray with me as I close? God, I thank you for all that you've done for us. Uh, and, and certainly I could go on and on about the many, many things you've done for me personally. But God, I praise you and I thank you more so just because of who you are. And you, you are love and you are grace and you are mercy. You are forgiveness. And all of those things are available to me through Jesus. Thank you so much for loving us uh, in such a way, God. And I, and I pray that for all of us in this room, the one thing that would happen in our lives this week is that our awareness of your presence would grow and strengthen. Lord, maybe even to the, the point that we, we feel like we can't escape it. Like everything that we're doing and everything that we're involved in, every conversation that we have, that we, we feel you right there with us. God, would you do that for us? Would you do that for us, especially for those that that are agreeing with me right now to say, yeah, yeah, I want that. I want that. God, thank you so much for showing up in our lives moment by moment of every day, not just this week to come, but weeks, months, and in years to come. You are an awesome God and worthy of everything that we have to give you. In Jesus' name, amen.